We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Past week, there was an extraordinary gathering of public officials and community activists for what has become a chronic and anything but ordinary problem. It's the gun violence that has left people dead or wounded in a number of Chicago neighborhoods. There are many factors behind this bloodshed. This weekend, Congressman Danny Davis joins us to talk about the many efforts underway to find solutions and to put them into effect. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest is 7th District Congressman Danny Davis, who's had that job since 1996. He's a member of the House Ways and Means Committee and is outspoken and passionate about a number of issues. Now, he lost a grandson to senseless violence a couple of years ago, so we're not talking about a problem that he or anyone really can hold at arm's length. Congressman Danny Davis, welcome back. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And it's really fun to be here. Well, thank you. Uh, So many African-American officials and advocates and state Republican leader Tim Schneider wanted to say so much about the plague of gun violence that we had a news conference that lasted more than an hour this past week. And I would say it's not it was not too long. Now, by that, I mean, there was there were a lot of compelling things said in that hour. Uh, Cook County Commissioner Richard Boykin, another official who helped organize this event, talked about having so many people working on this crisis and the importance of cooperation. I want to play a brief clip of that to give a bit of a flavor of the event, and I may do this a couple of times more uh, during this discussion to serve as a jumping-off point for what we talk about. Everybody, all of the leaders, ought to be working together. After you have 70-plus people shot in a weekend, and 12 people killed that same weekend, I would think that the governor, the mayor, the president of the county board, the sheriff, the superintendent of police, all of them would get together in a round table in a room and say, wait a minute, what can we do? How can we utilize our resources together? Congressman Davis, you spearheaded this gathering of uh, stakeholders, I guess, seems to be the buzzword we use most often for a group like this. But we've often heard words like this before. But how much can people actually do at this time? Well, I was pleased to join with members of the Cook County Board, uh, Commissioner Snyder, uh, Richard Borkin, my great friend and, and, and colleague for many years, and other Dennis Deer other commissioners, but also the West Side, black elected officials uh, led by Alderman Emma Mitz, we discovered that we all had planned something at the same time. (laughs) And so we simply decided, let's just make it one activity. Yes, we've heard lots about, but you know, I remember my mother about talking and she said, what you do speak so loudly until sometimes I can't hear what you say. And and what I'm saying, all of the entities of government 
say that they're going to do certain things about an issue or situation, but oftentimes it does not get implemented the way it sounded like the intent was to do it. Violence permeates actually our society right now. I I mean big time. And it's not just in shooting. It's not just in, in physical activity. But, you know, I notice just driving down the street sometimes where an individual will stop their car to talk to someone and not move until they finish. And other cars will pile up behind them. Well, that's a matter of attitude. I mean, I mean, that's a lack of civility. It, it, it's a lack of training. You just can't do that. I don't do it. I mean, if I'm trying to talk to somebody who run out of the house, I pull over to the curb at least. Yeah. And it seems a lot of our political rhetoric these days, just as another example, has been more mean-spirited. So, yes, I think there is an attitude. But, as you say, people want to do something about the violence but is the will there to do it? I think there's a big problem, uh, and I'm not blaming all of anybody or anything, but during the last campaign for president of the United States, there were many individuals who suggested that if one person got elected president, it was going to increase the disconnect. It wasn't going to bring people together. It was not going to indicate that work and attitudes can be formulated and formed. And I'm afraid that exactly what was predicted in that sense has happened. And and, and political parties are more difficult to get along with. People who have good relationships, For example, I'll be glad when elections are over. Especially will I be glad when the mayoral election is over. Because people who are working together right now will probably not be on the same page when when the election really gets underway. And that's going to block and prevent some of the things from happening that they talk about until the election is over. Then it's like Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty had a big fall. All the king's horses and men couldn't put Humpty. And so it's going to be difficult then to put those coalitions back together. And so often the kind of actions that are being talked about and then some of the what we're going to talk about uh, comes down to money. And very often, that's exactly where it stops. Uh, How do you get Congress, how do you get local governments to vote the money, the resources for real solutions in this atmosphere? Sometimes you have to take an incremental approach. For example, when I started work on the reentry issue, I decided on reentry as a focus rather than sentencing laws. And, and and I just figured it would be easier to get people engaged 
in trying to correct the behavior of some of all those individuals who had been incarcerated rather than saying, let's change our sentence and practices, although we still say that and keep trying to do that. But let's deal with fruit that may be a little (laughs) low-hanging, and and that is helping people correct themselves. You know, I want to let me bring up uh, Alderman uh, Emma Mitz's role in that news conference because she was talking about working with ex-offenders. She was impressed by a program that put ex-offenders and reformed gang members out to work. These young men out in the street that have been doing a lot of terrorizing are now getting a paycheck, going to work. And then I brought them in. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Tell me what motivates you all to go to work every day. They said, I'm tired of being on the street. My father was a drug dealer. And he didn't got gotten killed. I just want to do something different with my life. Um, Congressman Davis, is it that simple? It it it's that easy to say, but you know we were fortunate to pass something called the Second Chance Act. And since passage of that bill, more than 800 grants have been provided to not-for-profits, churches, city, state, local governmental entities, research instances. And that has helped some with the question of recidivism. That is, people commit a crime, they get convicted, they go to jail, they go to prison, then they come out. If they get help when they come out, that will have a big bearing on whether or not or how soon they're back in. And and so we're very pleased that is moving along because not only has the grant money helped, but many programs have emerged. For example, the city of Chicago has a program where a person can go and get a job cleaning buses and cleaning trains, but they also can graduate from that into a full-time job as an employee of the Chicago Transit Authority, join the union, do other things, and have a decent quality of life. So these things do help. We don't have enough of them. I mean, money, if we got 800 grants, would have been great if we'd been able to give out 2,000 grants or 1,500 or whatever the number is that money will create. Mm. Um, You said uh that if you could pass bills all by yourself, you would have a lot of legislation. And But if you had the votes, what would be the first bills that you would try to pass that aren't already there? You know, I think that early childhood education and serious intervention and, and helping individuals to grow. It's much easier 
to grow and develop strong children than it is to rebuild weak men or weak women. And so education, I mean, the the kind of education that would character build, help individuals know that there is hope and help for them as they're growing up. Let me tell you, the numbers of individuals who are impoverished in this country is so great. Sometimes you wonder, how do they live? I, I mean, shelters with three and 400 people in them. People, I spend a great deal of time working with this category or this group. And, you know, like every Christmas Eve for the last 20 years or more, I have visited with volunteers, uh, shelters, uh, recovery homes, and even for children. And for many of the children, this is the one bright night they may have. So poverty is a very serious impact on how individuals think, how they live, what they become, their problem-solving approaches. And so education, poverty reduction, hopefully ultimate eradication. Of course, all of that takes a long time, but the first step, is part of a thousand mile journey and we've just got to spend more time dealing with this segment of our population in Chicago, in New York, in St. Louis, in Cleveland, in rural America, all over the country. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's at issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. We're talking about the problems behind the guns and the gangs and the violence that we see on the streets here in Chicago and, frankly, across the country. My guest is 7th District Congressman Danny Davis. Um, we do see uh, poverty in so many places, as you say. What kind of realistic policies could help eliminate that part of the equation? I mean, we know early childhood education helps on that end, but what about, is it just jobs programs? What is it? Well, we always hear now about how great the economy is. I I, I mean, when we hear broad reports that we've got the lowest level of unemployment that we've seen in a long time, some people say that we've ever seen, but when you look at certain areas, we say under 4% nationally, a hoovering around 4%. You come to some areas that are poverty-stricken, and you're talking about 20%, or you're talking about higher than 20%. And so we got to match opportunity with individuals. Many of the jobs are technical, highly technical, uh, highly skilled, and we got to make sure that people, especially in the inner city, have access to the training so that they can do those jobs. People come before our committee and testify from certain parts of the country and areas 
And so we've got jobs that are going unfilled. We can't get to people we need. And I agree with that. So we got to make sure where we can match the need with the opportunity. And we've got to create the skills that individuals must have to do the technical jobs for the most part. The, the occupational, I was arguing, not arguing, but talking with a young man the other day, and he was reading a book about W.B. Du Bois. And mm-hmm. we ended up talking about Booker Washington and Du Bois. One thought that blacks especially ought to just cast a bucket down where they are, learn the skills that they needed to build, you know, and keep their communities going. And the other guy is saying, well, you know, let's also intellectualize a little bit. Let's philosophize a little bit. Let's get the whole of an individual involved. And so I don't think there's any silver bullet. I don't think there's any one shot. But we have to develop comprehensiveness so that we can just grow up with the idea that, hey, I'm going to have a job, I'm going to have a car, I'm going to have a garage, I'm going to be able to send my kids to college and let them live a decent quality of life. And I think that's what we need to be able to do is develop comprehensiveness to take care of the needs of all the population groups in our country. I want to talk a little bit about policing uh, because Chicago, for example, is now going to be keeping more police officers in areas that have had the most gun violence. Some residents and some officials worry about over-policing, overly aggressive enforcement. How do you set a balance? I've never thought or never felt that police or law enforcement is going to solve the problems that we have in urban America. I've never, ever uh, succumbed to that philosophy. I believe in law and order. I believe in equal protection under the law. I think that law enforcement should be seen as protective and helpful I've fought this issue of what is called law enforcement misconduct all over the country. One two-year period, Greg Meeks, uh, that is Representative Greg Meeks from New York, and I went across the country holding forums on this. Everywhere we went, we heard the very same thing. I, I mean, no difference than what people in New York are saying, uh, what people. But, you know, the interesting thing is I spent one period of my time going through foreign countries as part of something called the People's Program at the University of Illinois. And guess what? We found the same thing with people of color if we were in England, if we were in Brussels, if we were in Holland, in Amsterdam, wherever we went, it was essentially the same feeling. I mean, being in, 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 in London was like being on 63rd Street when it came to the individual immigrants who had migrated from Africa and were in those countries. Same difference. And that's why it's important to have this 
vision, not only of what uh, Londale could be, but what Edinburgh could be also. Mm. Uh, can I ask you if, if you have an opinion on what, uh, there's, a, there's a story that was uh, breaking at the end of the week about uh, police participating in something called bait trucks, uh, where they left uh, unguarded uh, trucks carrying goods. Some said it was sneakers, something else. But uh, in poor African-American areas, the police would swarm whenever someone tried to steal from the trailers. They said this was about the railroads where there were things being stolen from the yards. The railroad yards were not near the place where these were going. Do you have a feeling about that kind of enforcement, especially at this time? Oh, that, 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 that would just be below the pits. I, I, I mean, that's the lowest form of, of protection. It's the lowest form. It's the opposite. Of, I've heard a little bit about that, mm -hmm. and I really know a great deal about that. I, I lived at 5252 West Polk Street for 20 years, and across from us was a railroad track. And sometimes individuals would discover what was on a car or something. As a matter of fact, and they'd break in, steal what was there, and Police would learn about it. They'd come. They'd be running. And I put up. <laughs> they ran through my gangway one day. <laughs> and that blocked down. Everybody got a fence. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot run through there <laughs> to the alley. I mean, so, yeah, individuals will make that attempt. and but But I would hope that that is not a policy of the Chicago police. I certainly have more hope and more respect for the police superintendent and for the, the mayor and the city council that they would not let something like that happen and certainly would not condone it and have it as a part of the policy. Well, last thing I want to talk about uh, is a, so touching on something that Mayor Emanuel started and continued at this news conference. Uh, Mayor Emanuel has talked about pushing harder to get basically church values into the streets. Um, and at the at this uh, really great news conference, Westside Alderman Walter Burnett talked about people admitting that some of the causes of violence could be close to home. There's too many blind eyes in our community. Uh, we act like we don't see what's going on. You know, when you, when you allow your kid to come in the house with some uh, $200, $300 gym shoes and you know they, you didn't give them money, that's taking a blind eye. You're part of the problem. You know, when, uh, you know, that blood money is in our community, that poison is in our neighborhood, it's killing all our people, people's families become drug addicted, kids go in the system, all of that is, you know, we're taking a blind eye to all of that. If we really, we, we, we really need to, you know, those of us in the neighborhood know what's going on. We need to be real about it. Congressman Davis, I saw some comments from uh, more than one person suggesting that uh, 
people who are talking like that are trying to shame the victims, blame the victims, the people who are suffering through all of this. And some families are scared of the, the, the children who live in their household. Lots of them are. <laughs> Unfortunate. Yeah. I think, and something that my mother was fond of saying is that we have to go back to the old landmark. And I certainly agree with much of what Alderman Burnett said. And I also know that he's a regular churchman. He's a deacon mm -hmm. at his church, meaning he helps the pastor and all of that. We do need to try and instill certain values. I really, my feet wouldn't know how to accommodate a $200 pair of gym shoes. My, my, my feet would turn <laughs> sideways <laughs> if I put something like that on. I, I, I run those kind of values to young people all the time in terms of just talking. You know, be what could be called decent. Do what just a common practice is. Help others rather than hurt others. Think about love and caring for and about than hate and one-upsmanship, and always being at the top of the thing. So I, 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 I adhere. I don't know if a week goes by that I don't go to some church and some days, two or three, and, and I even distribute information more readily to churches because I know that the people there have a greater chance of making use of it than many people who don't go to church. But how do you get the people who are on the streets to listen to those values? Will they? You got to start them young. You, you, it, it, it's hard to change people's behavior, attitudes, and practices. You know, and, and, and the generation before us, me, I am so proud of what they attempted to do. People like my parents and grandparents and other people who grew up at different times who did not have the freedoms that we all have at this juncture. We don't have all that we need. We don't all have all that we want but we certainly have greater opportunities than my father who finished the fourth grade or my mother who finished the eighth grade. And I guess my father had more wit and wisdom than many people that I've interacted with, with college degrees and doctors and lawyers and that. So yeah, I think we got to go back to a different way of thinking. I mean, I ask children sometimes, do you know the Lord's Prayer? Or now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Many of them say they never heard that. They, they, so parenting, we talk about program development. We need to start putting some serious money behind parenting programs. Many of our young parents 
especially just don't understand much about parenting. And we, uh, you know, jokingly say sometimes that being a parent doesn't come with an instruction manual, but maybe we should start writing one, right? It would benefit. We all would benefit from it. That is Congressman Danny Davis. Thank you very much for, for spending this half hour with us. A really special thank you, because I know you're headed to the airport. As soon as you leave this microphone, you're headed to the airport. So I really thank you for stopping in. Uh, To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That is WBBMNewsRadio.com. You can also find our podcast on Radio.com. I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.